Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Now it's been said that <clears throat> men didn't love Rome because it was great. Rome was great because she was loved. And I came across that quote this week and was reminded of a couple of things. First off, here in this congregation, before, on the 4th of July, before the service, we played God Bless America, Kate Smith. And you all just got up <laughs> without, just spontaneously got up and started singing. And then recently I was at a gathering, Billy Dean and Don were playing, and they were, we were close to the end of the event and they played God Bless America, same thing. Everyone started singing. Even when our nation is going through the hardest times, it's easy to love when everything is going well, but how much more important that we love her even more when things are not going so well. So the news is pretty rough right now, and we're frightened for the people of Afghanistan, and we're frightened for all that ta the Taliban, which harbors both Al-Qaeda and ISIS, all that might happen there. But we, we simply have to continue to pray, and, and we have to love our nation for the kind of help that we have provided for nation through four nations throughout the world and throughout the existence of our, of our republic. So with that reminder, just, it's, it's just so important that we not enter into the, the negative rhetoric about our, our country or others in our country. Uh, other, those with whom we disagree are not our enemies, they are our neighbors. And we have to pray for one another and stand together as a nation through the bad times as well as the good. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we, we face a, a mystery when we talk about something like Taliban. I mean, they're so far away and we know so little about this, this, this foreign power that has taken over a nation. We hear reports, but we don't know. What we do know, Lord, is that this is a time that is frightening, especially for those people. And we ask in as much as they worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they would skip over an awful lot of what they have been taught and go back to that most fundamental, rudimentary aspect of the Islamic faith. And that they would be reminded of the love that you have shown to all nations and how it is your intent to bring every tongue, every nation, and every race before you. 
and humble acknowledgement that you are a great God. And so, dear Lord, we, we pray for that situation that is so frightening. And we ask that, that we might do all that we can personally and in our relationships and in our discussions to help our nation be the great nation that it is by loving her even more. We also pray, Lord, for Crystal's employee. Thank you, O oh Lord, that they have a boss who cares for them and watches out for them. Thank you, Lord, for the love that she has for this employee and her husband. And we also pray, Lord, for Brian and Yulia, this dear couple who came to us and within a very short period of time were, were gone to Houston as he does everything he can to fight off this horrific affliction in his body. Lord God, may it be by the power of the Holy Spirit that he is healed. And may that healing be an occasion for him to sing your praises to anyone who asks. Lord, we do what we can in the face of these situations. But ultimately, it is your healing hand that sees us through. We have a tiny cut, or if we have a horrific cancer, you have built into us your spirit that brings healing and wholeness. And we ask that, O oh Lord, for this dear family. We also pray, Lord, that you would be among all of our people as we, as we struggle with, whether it's loneliness or rejection, we struggle with grief and loss. Lord God, so many things that, that we encounter in this life have their way with us. And we feel, we feel hopeless and helpless. And so, Father, may we put our hope in you, and may we find our help in the Good Shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, for that is his will for us. We would trust in you, follow him. We do so even now as we pray as, as he taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We had our board meeting this week and I was instructed I'll, they'll probably cut my salary if I don't do it. But we're running a little back on the offering, so I'm just letting you know. We are always so grateful for the giving that you give to us, that you provide for the ministry of this church. And, you know, I, I've always gone by, gone by the philosophy that asking people for money as a church is sort of insulting their, their intelligence. And so my approach has been to thank you and to inform you. 
And so the thanking is always there and the informing is that we're just running a little bit back right now. So having thanked and informed, let's bring to God our tithes and offerings. Father, make us new. Make us yours. We ask, O oh Lord, that we might hear your word and incorporate these most foundational truths into our lives so that, so that we might better know you, follow you more closely. We ask this even now as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, early on in his ministry, first off, according to the Gospel of John, he um, 
went to a wedding with his disciples, and um, not too long after he and his disciples showed up, wouldn't you know, they ran out of wine. Probably because of those disciples. <laughs> and, uh, and after that, Jesus went back down to Jerusalem, and he went into the outer court of the temple where there was a big flea market going on, selling of animals and changing foreign exchange to temple currency and all of this. And Jesus saw this and was shocked and mad. And he took some of the ropes off the animals, let them running free with all the squawking and yelling that was going on. And he plated those ropes into a whip and started driving out the money changers. Well, that, that enterprise of the temple was a way that they raised millions of dollars for the temple. And so the religious authorities, the, the temple authorities began to ask, who is this guy? By what authority? And who does he think he is? This is not good of what is happening to our fair city and to our temple. So Jesus presumably is off praying. And that's where our story picks up. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, how can this be? Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand this? I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that, whatever, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. 
So Nicodemus was one of the elite. He was one of the big shots. He was on the Sanhedrin, the high court of Israel, which was a gathering of both Sadducees, which were sort of the priestly caste, and Pharisees, which had emerged out of a lay population. And the Pharisees tended to be the, the, the lawyers. They were the ones who were watching out to make sure people were doing the right thing. And they were ensuring that everything was in order. And they wanted to maintain this order because they were terrified because in their history, when the people were out of line, that's when things fell apart. And so they were very intent on keeping things in good order. And so when Jesus comes into the temple and clears the place out, well, this is not a good sign. This looks like anarchy breaking out. This looks like some very bad things are about to happen. And so the religious leadership started talking amongst themselves and wondered what on earth is going on. But at the same time, Jesus has healed some people. He's done some things, not just water into wine, but he's turned deafness into hearing, blindness into seeing. And so there was a, a real question mark in many of their minds, but for some there was, no, there was no issue at all. It was black and white. This man had to go. This man was a threat. This man, Jesus, he can't be the Messiah. He's come down from Galilee. And we all know that there's no prophet that comes from Galilee. And so they're convinced. So goes the conversation in the back rooms. But then here's Nicodemus. We don't know how old he is, but I, I have a hunch that he might be getting on a bit in years, maybe into his 60s or 70s. And I say that because the most judgmental people I ever have known have been in their 20s and 30s. People's in their 60s and 70s, well, they, they've seen it all. And if they didn't experience it themselves, they had kids that experienced it or grandkids. And so that judgmentalism begins to well, it begins to kind of soften. Billy Joel has a great song. It's old, but it says, Some things were perfectly clear, seen with the vision of youth. No doubts, nothing to fear. I claimed the corner on truth. I remember being that way when I was like 32 years old. These days it's harder to say, I know what I'm fighting for. My faith is falling away. I'm not that sure anymore. Shades of gray wherever I go, the more I find out, the less I know. Black and white is how it should be. Shades of gray are all that I see. I wonder if Nicodemus is beginning to wonder. I wonder if he's kind of moving out of his black and white world of youth and understanding the realities and subtleties and nuances of life as it really is. And so the scripture says he goes out to see Jesus at night. Maybe that's just a time marker, but John is more precise than that. He's more intentional than that. 
This is probably because he didn't want to be seen talking to the enemy. He didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. And notice what he says. He says, we know that you must be one, one person who's come from God because nobody can do the things that you do without being from God. A nice approach, nice start. And then Jesus says, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. In other words, how does Jesus' comment match at all what Nicodemus said? What Jesus spoke, spoke to the heart of the man, not the mind of the man. He spoke to where this man was really coming from in his own personal struggle with life and reality. And then Jesus uses this language of being born from above or being born again. It's one thing to be born of the flesh, of the water. But it's another thing entirely to be born of spirit, to be born by the spirit of God. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. He says, how can I re-enter my mother's womb? How can this be? Well, Nicodemus is just, he's playing He's playing with Jesus. He's playing ignorant. He understands. He knows full well that what Jesus is saying to him is that where he is in life doesn't take some, some little changes here and there. It's not just some mid-flight arrangements. He has to land and take off all over again an entirely new plane. Alan Jackson's got a great song where he talks about having to have a a full body off makeover. When he talks about he's, he's not perfect, he's a, a work in progress. Jesus is telling him he has to start all over again. And so the question remains, how can this be? I'm old. How do I start over again? And Jesus simply says, by being born from above, of the Spirit, being born again, having a whole new beginning. And somehow this happens. You know, the evangelical world is very concerned about bringing people to faith in Christ. And there are primarily two windows for that to happen, age-wise. Before that, that very self-righteous era of youth kicks in between like 15 and 21, that's a great opportunity for people to come to Christ, to come to a saving understanding of who Jesus is. And another one is later in life, 60 and up, because we begin to realize not that we're mortal, we do know that, and kids don't really know that, but we know that. But also we've got, a, we've got a nuanced understanding of life. Things are not just so black and white. We maybe think they should be, but they're not. 
It's not so easy. It's just not that clear. And so we, when we are more full of years, we, we become more open. We, we learn to listen more. We learn to take in more. And, and people do have dramatic new awakenings in the fullness of years. And it's always beautiful to see when they have a sense that God really does love them. And Jesus goes on to, to make that statement. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But you know, so much of our time we think God is so angry at the world. We can hear all kinds of preaching that says, God is so angry at the world that he sent his son. They would repeat this phrase as written, but they preach as if God sent his son to, to fix up the mess that we have made. And God's just mad at the, the way things have turned out. So God sends his son because he's mad, he's angry. We'd love to pull out those passages and texts to talk about the wrath of God, the anger of God. And it's true. We took this magnificent creation that God gave us and we fouled it. <laughs> I mean, I, I believe that we can identify this with our own eyes by just comparing the beauty of that which is untouched by human hands and that which is touched by human hands. The natural beauty versus as well as we might do off of an architect's board or whatever, it's still nothing like what God has done without our mingling in it. And, and so we can, we can see the, the reality of, of human intervention. And we sometimes see that in stark reality, real, starkly real terms as I referenced Afghanistan, a terrifying reality that is the unleashing of some of the worst of the human spirit. And so God sees all this and a lot of Old Testament passages about how the people of God, if they, if they don't do this, he's gonna come in and wipe them out. <laughs> the beauty is with all of those references in the Old Testament, God never does it. And the people keep disobeying, and God doesn't wipe them out. Instead, he sends his son. And the clear message is, even though the people of God, even though we keep fouling things up, he loves us. He loves us. When it says God so loved the world, he's not talking about just sort of things in general. He's talking about us and the creation that he made and put us here in it. God so loved us. God so loved the world. And likewise, if God loves us, why wouldn't we? If God loves them, why wouldn't we? If God loves others, 
even though we may nurture all kinds of negative things toward them, don't we realize that God loves that person? If God loves that person, why wouldn't we? But it's the love of God that brought the Son. Jesus came because of the love of God. And he demonstrated that love with each and every interaction. It's what I love about the Gospel of John. It's a series of face-to-face encounters with Jesus. And time and again, people come away transformed because they're loved, changed because of the, the motive of love. Nicodemus, so what we do know was that at another festival that happened down the line, once again, Jesus was there and Jesus got himself in in trouble again with the religious authorities. And some of the temple guards came in and they didn't have Jesus with them. And the guys were saying, well, why didn't you bring him in? Nicodemus spoke up. He said, do we condemn one without a trial? Nicodemus and Nicodemus alone. And then Jesus was lifted up on the cross. In this passage, he references an occasion in the Sinai wilderness when the people of God, because they were complaining about their food, were afflicted with serpents. And so Moses took a stick with a snake on it. And everyone who looked on that snake was saved from the snake bites. So Jesus likened himself to that snake. The image of that which was hated and feared, a snake. Jesus took that image onto himself. And when Jesus said that he would be lifted up, and that people would look upon him, that they would likewise be saved. That all came rushing back to Nicodemus as he was somewhere in the background watching all this happen. And he was friends with a man named Joe, more formally Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man. And these two men, Joseph and Nicodemus, took Jesus down from the cross and wrapped him with expensive herbs and laid him in the tomb. So was Nicodemus transformed? Was Nicodemus born again, born from above? Was Nicodemus, though he was full of years, did he re-enter the womb of his mother and come forth in a new way? John allows us to make that decision for ourselves. And we, in our own lives, have an opportunity also. But what I believe Nicodemus had to do is let go of so much of what he was carrying so much bitterness or hatred or whatever it may be that they were nurturing in the first century religious establishment of that day. 
where they wanted to kill people who were a threat to them. He had to let go of all of that. He had to let go of the hatred. He had to let go of that, that antipathy towards others who were following Jesus. And he had to let the love that saved him be real to him. The love that saves us is that which transforms us. We are transformed by being loved, not by being judged, not by being told what to do, but by, by being loved in a new way. And so Jesus, at the end of his ministry with his disciples, simply said, I want you to go out and judge one another as I have judged you. Love one another as I have loved you. I and the Father are one. If you have known me, you've known the Father. And so love one another. Love one another. You join me in prayer. And dear Father, we know we got you mad along the way. Just like a loving father gets mad at his kids. But that is a secondary emotion to the deep anguish and pain that you had because we were living so poorly with the one life you gave us. And so awaken us, make us new, Give us an, an entirely new origin, a new beginning. May we be born again. We ask it in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.